Titanic Talk with Nelson Aspen and Alexandra Boyd. Here we feature stories from the independent documentary Ship of Dreams Titanic Movie Diaries and everything else to do with the iconic ship. From James Cameron's epic groundbreaking movie to the history and legacy of Titanic herself. Join us and our special guests as we continue the 25th anniversary celebrations of Titanic. This is your first class ticket to everything aboard the Ship of Dreams. I'm Nelson Aspen, and we can't believe that uh, we're coming up on the end of our first season of Titanic Talk with nearly two dozen episodes. And sometimes, you know, you have to really pursue somebody for a while, and it takes 20 episodes to get them, uh, and the schedule's coordinated, and we've worked it out. Alexandra Boyd, my co-host, the filmmaker behind Ship of Dreams, Titanic Movie Diaries, and one of the stars of James Cameron's 1997 Titanic. Who do we have today? I'm very excited because we had to dig into the bowels, into the depths of Titanic to reach- Don't say bowels. <laughs> well, it's the bottom part of the boat, but the most yes. important part because the stokers who were shoving coal into the furnaces to keep on track and keep on schedule for Titanic. And one of those stokers, one of the most recognizable and memorable is Derek Lee, stuntman and actor. Welcome to Titanic Talk. Yay. <laughs> He's sitting Thanks there. Thanks for having me on. Yes, well, we I'm I've been fascinated. I've watched again the film recently, obviously, for you know, research for my documentary. And I realized that you really are there a lot. You have this wonderful moment when they run you know jack and rose run past you in that piece of chiffon that i always am amazed never catches fire as they go past you and then something happens in a car but then it turns into this moment uh that was reminiscent to me of the abyss actually where the doors start to come down and you do that thing where you're shoving the guys through to the other side and then and then at the very end on the carpathia there you are smoking a fag you you survived <laughs> and that's all and that's all true apparently so yes yes the, the 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 main stoker the lead stoker guy he did stay till the last possible minute but he did also survive by clinging to a collapsible the only injustice i've done him really is he he came from liverpool and my, my <laughs> accent is absolutely terrible and when i auditioned i said do I have to do a Scouse accent? And they went, no, 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 it's all right. No, I'll never know. But um, Walk us through your audition process because you, I know you as an incredible stunt man, stunt performer and coordinator, but this, you auditioned for, were you working with Simon Crane already or did they call you in saying, no, we need this burly bloke to play this stoker? The film, the film had already started. And how long ago is it now? It's 1996, cast your mind back. Now, he works so much, you never stop working. So, I, you know, Titanic is just one of the many feathers in your cap. I can't remember what I did last week, let alone 25 years ago. James Bond, Born Ultimatums, all of that stuff. Doctor Who. Wonder Woman. I don't know where there was, I don't, I'm sure there wasn't self-taping, but I auditioned in London. I got a call from the casting director, and I can't remember who that was. But you, you probably know that. Mally, um, Finn. Mally Finn or Emily Schweber, who would have been her associate, yes. 
Right, and I don't know whether I had to go and audition. I don't think I self-taught. Anyway, I did the I did the audition, and then about three days later, it, it had to go back and forwards to the states. I got a call. You've got the part. So that was it. I'm, I'm, I think Simon must have put me up as part of that because obviously um, more stunt people that can act that's down there. We can stay right in amongst the action. So that's how it sort of uh, that's how it all started. But. Um, did you do any other stunts besides playing the Stoker? Yeah, 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 yeah. I, but because I was featured so heavily, I, 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 I jumped off the top of the ship. That was about seventy foot, I think, into the water. Or the poop deck stuff. Um, but I had to be disguised because they said you've got to keep your face out of camera because you can't be Frederick Barrett one minute and then like a uh, another the next. So. Uh, you are the guy that does the spin. Everybody loves the guy that falls and then I'm sure it's CGI, but he spins, he bounces off the propeller, doesn't he? Some of it's CGI, but some of some of them did take quite a tumble and there was a couple of broken bones here and there. Well, so, it's stunt work though, right? I mean, have well, you happened? Yeah, but it's still supposed to be relatively <laughs> safe. Well, I'm I'm impressed that you're you're not you're not just a stuntman who you know who looks the part, but you that you are uh, an accomplished actor. And I was reading that on your website bio that you that you took it upon yourself to make sure you studied acting. Uh, you know, so when do when do you get to exercise that? Uh, it's, I, I mean, I find I find it unusual to to meet a stuntman who's had a career as long as yours because the very nature of stunt work. Uh, you know, it, it's it's like being a professional athlete. It shortens your your span of of workability. So so Adric, tell tell me about that about how you keep not only um, fresh and and working, but uh, being both an actor and a stunt person. I'll tell you how I got into the acting first. To be a member of the British Stunt Register, you have to have a full equity card. That's like a SAG card, but we we call it equity. And back then. This is in 1987. Um, it was called Catch 22. The union was really strong. You couldn't work without the card, and you couldn't get a card without work. So a friend of mine um, was going to drama school, and she said, "Listen, I, the, the woman that's owned that owns the drama school, because this is inadvertently leading on to another story. Um, she's gonna." Be buying her own theatre, and if if you if you get if you get in, if you audition and you get in, she'll guarantee you an equity card at the end of it by doing stage management. I can fill it up like that. So that's sort of what happened, and that was called Red Roof Theatre School in Maidenhead, and Kate Winslet went there. So that's where that's how when I first met Kate. So I got my equity card. I got onto the register, and. Um, I sort of carved out a niche for myself for being able to play the part and do the stunt. Yeah. So, um, and not many people, there are a few now, but not many people, stunt people could act at that time. So I was sort of cleaning up and I've got some sort of really good little cameo parts in some quite major films. Titanic. Talk about some of the films that you've, that you've worked on um, in that respect where, you know, you got like a little speaking role, but then you could do a tumble or fall off a 70 foot drop off the back of Titanic. <laughs> I can't remember them all, Alexander, but I got thrown off the roof by um, Daniel Craig in uh, Quantum of Solace. It was only one line, but I tell him to piss off. Uh, originally it was mute. And I said to the director, I said, not another mute stuntman getting thrown off a roof. He said, well, what would you say to him? I said, well, if he told me who I was working for and I wasn't supposed to say anything, I'd, I'd just tell him to piss off. And he went, I like it, I like it. 
of Austria. I'm not doing him any favours either. But there was loads of there was loads of phone calls back to London. Is that a swear word? Anyway, they, in the end, they let me say it. What other films have I done? I, I, I've done quite a few um, historical documentaries. Uh, that was a bit of a flavour of flavour of the month or flavour of the year at one point. I, went from, I saw some of that on your web. Weren't you a gladiator of some sort? Something, yeah, something, yeah. yeah, something with a with Star, a loin cloth and a sword, or maybe. Yeah, I played Richard the Lionheart. Always ended up in the desert, though. I've been in the desert too many times. Oh, uh, that's why, that's what you know. That, that, I see a heat theme. You're telling me that you're there uh, enduring a heat wave while we're shooting this right now. Uh, in Titanic, you know, you're, you're dealing with the fire in the boiler room and all of that. What so many of the actors we speak to from Titanic uh, talk about the, the scenes that were never used, what ended up in the editing room floor or tell you must have that same experience. What what did you film that we didn't get to see? None of it. It was all it was all shown. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. I didn't even have to do any ADR. Sometimes because it was like um I didn't even have to go into a boob. All all the all the audio was as it was on the day as well. Because sometimes I I'll do a scene in a film and I'll go now, depending on how it's edited, I wonder how that's going to turn out. And sometimes it's not even in the film at all. And you're like, or, or they, they don't like your accent, accent, you get dubbed. And that's the worst thing in the world for an actor when they dub you because they don't, they don't think the accent. Yeah, talk to, um, is it David Prowse who was uh, Darth Vader? And uh, he had his Devon accent and he was doing all the loins all the way through. And then they, I went and saw the movie and they dubbed me with James Earl Jones. <laughs> <laughs> he thought that was That's... most unusual. Why would you do that? <laughs> I was quite impressed that everything was still in the film and, it, at, at, and as we shot it on the die, so that was good. You know, Alexandra mentioned the scene where Kate and Leo are running through the, the, the ship uh, holding hands and and then you know we see you at work uh, down there with the boilers. But there are certain moments that I'm struck by when I think back on the film that you know where he where James Cameron used slow motion and special effects and where he sort of chose characters that he obviously looked at lovingly. And when Kate and Leo are running, it's kind of a love letter to their story, just as Alexandra, when Leonardo's coming into the dining room, the camera sort of lovingly embraces Alexandra for that look. But you have that moment, Derek. It's, it's like a love letter, the shots of you uh, at work in the fire and, and going under the door, they, they do seem to have that, which makes me question uh, what your relationship with Cameron was like. You must have had a, a very personal uh, connection with him as well as whoever the stunt coordinator was and the cinematographer. And so I, it, I had a bit of a love-hate relationship with James at, at the beginning. And I think if you stand up to him, it's it, I, and he shows you respect. Obviously, you've got to come up you got to come up with the good. So he must have liked, he must have liked what I was doing on screen. So to give me those little moments, you know, um, but um, it was a little bit rocky at the beginning. How so? There's a scene, well, that's in the film as well, where one lifeboat, and apparently this is true, Frederick Barrett saved a load of people underneath the, the one right. coming down on top of another and he cuts what these ropes, they're called the falls, apparently. 
and he cuts the falls. So this scene was coming up, oh, I don't know, two days prior to that. There was another scene where someone had to cut a rope uh, and and he got absolutely roasted by James Cameron because he wasn't doing it, he wasn't putting the energy in, he didn't believe it. And I've heard this and I thought, oh, God, we've got this scene coming up. Um, so we're all in the lifeboat and we've got um, the other lifeboat coming down. Obviously, it's that's all rigged and it's not going to go anywhere, but it is moving and we, I've got these ropes there's a there's a pontoon with about five or six cameras directly in front of us out on the out on the um oh, whatever you want to call it was a, it. it was a tank it was a tank a tank well done Alexandra a tank so they're all there on the tank is about five. I'm a director now I know all these technical terms <laughs> he's giving me all these directions you you see it coming you realise you've got a knife you stand up no one else is doing anything I'm going right right. I see it coming, I realise I've got a knife, I stand up, and, and then you start cutting the falls. So I'm right, okay, here we go, here. and he loved it, he loved the microphone. Here we go, rolling, three, two, one, action. Got a knife, jump up. Now I'm like, right, I'm going to cut these falls. He ain't going to let me have a go at me. And I'm going, like, ah, ah. I'm cutting even faster. Not even like that. The next thing, I look up and he's standing there going, "What the hell are you doing? What are you doing?" I went, "Oh, I was cutting the fall." He said, "No, I was saying cut, cut." <laughs> and I said, "Well, I thought you were meaning. Oh, I thought you meant cut." He said, "When when you see when you see me throw my headphones on the floor, what does that mean?" I said, "Well, I can't look at you." Or I should be looking down the lens of the camera. And he and he's like, and that was the moment where we um sort of and I thought, oh Jesus Christ, I'll be on the next plane home. Uh but after that, he was absolutely brand new. Uh said hello to me every time I saw him, shook me hand, like, hi Derek, how's it going? Oh yeah, yeah, good. We've got yeah. another seat, same other. So yeah, that was quite a, a you know, these that I I made a similar mistake on my first day um because something hadn't been communicated to me so you were like think you misinterpreting cut for cut oh i was in the moment I, mo I was hearing the screaming going on and get them off the effing set off the set and they he was talking about me because i was walking straight into the wrong part of the shot but I had been, I was doing what I'd been doing since 9am that morning. No, just nobody told me to wiggle round the other way and be out of the way. Um, and, you know, 25 years later, all this, you know, people want to hear these stories about James Cameron, what a monster he was. I mean, he had $200 million riding on his shoulder. He was, you know, in, just, and I'm not making excuses for him because it's really hard not to lose your temper i've done it a couple of times but i take myself to another room and try not and for me it's trying not to cry with the frustration and and how can we overcome this situation but there were hundreds of people there the crew the the you know hundred dollar bills were just evaporating in front of you and and you know good for you by pushing back and saying look jim this is actually the situation. Of course, of course, we do what we're told. As actors, we're going to do anything we're told to to help the shot, unless we're going to put ourselves in danger or it feels uncomfortable or whatever. 
but um, I, I think looking back, and he said it himself, I thought I had to yell at everybody. I thought that was what you did. That's how you got, you know, stuff out of people. But his own maturity realizes that you can coax people into doing almost anything with you. And then they'll, you know, they'll run off the edge of a cliff with you. Um, but it's hard when there's all that pressure, all that pressure. And really in Ship of Dreams, Titanic movie diaries, I was kind of looking to to delve into some of this stuff and nobody really wanted to tell those stories the overwhelming feeling was this was an extraordinary achievement and to work with a director of that caliber on this movie was was a mind-blowing never to be repeated experience and and lucky us that's that's what i say and i well how was it different how was it different from the other films because you've done so many derek how was titanic special I like the diversity of people. I, I'm not. I've, I've done a lot of war films, like the historical documentaries. Do you know what I mean? It was just nice. I, it was nice. How many people were on the boat, Alex? On I've got to be three hundred. What uh, two, uh, on the boat? Two thousand. On two thousand. He means in the film. In the, yeah, filming. I mean. Oh. You mean there were all sorts. How many actors? There were all sorts. Of, oh, yeah, there, oh, were, oh, there were uh, over two hundred and thirty speaking roles. Yes. Yes. Yeah, so at any given time, with all the essays and everything, there could be at least one hundred and fifty, two hundred people in some of the scenes everywhere, and he knew everybody, everybody's name, every single one of them's name, and he did shout and scream, shout and scream a lot. But like I say, I think his 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 bite was worse. His his bark was worse than his bite. But for me, it was that diversity of people, men and women, and there were all sorts of people there. Well, in between takes, I got talking to people. One bloke owned, he moved from California and he'd, he'd invented some something, patented it, and he was a multi-millionaire and he was just doing it for the experience. And there was loads of people like that on the boat. And I, and, and coming from England as well, my first time working over in the state, well, it was Mexico, but meeting all these different people, you know what I mean? And, um, and I was young in my career. I, I don't travel as well now. I, I don't do long runs anymore. But um, it, it, I, I thought it was fan, I thought it was fantastic. Uh, so many the of the actors tell tell us about you know their their life on the set in Mexico and partying and drinking margaritas seems to come up a lot and back and forth to Los Angeles seems to come up a lot. Tell me about life on the set. How long were you there and did you did you work did you have a certain workout regime that you have to do to keep in particular shape for that? Like what what was your time like in Mexico? Because it went down at night. The majority of the, the majority it was all shot at night. Oh, the Carpathia scene, I went from a night from night work to day to daylight because obviously that uh, they were rescued in the daytime. But the majority of the work was at night. They'd chosen that studio where there was a hill. So we used to sit and wait for the sun to come up over that hill. Once the sun came up, that was the end of our working night. Then uh we used to go back to the hotel, and that's when um I, we got in that, that's when we used to have a little cool down drink and then go to bed. Then I'd get up and I'd run along the set, the Pacific and do me training. Then we'd go in for breakfast and, but the margaritas, the tequila and everything, because we, because we were working all night, when the weekends came, you, you, you were just like up all night. That was it. We were out part and it was pro properly like the wild west down in, uh, sort of <laughs> down there. And we used to go, we used to drive down and go in, down into San Diego, San Diego every now and again as well. And, have a, and we went down to LA some weekends. 
Um, so from that point of view, it, 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 it was good. It, it was fun. I really enjoyed it. How long were you there? How, what was your stint on the set? I can't remember. My, my wife knows because um, she wasn't my wife at the time. I think I was there about six months, you know, something like that. And I went, I went and I came back for Christmas and went back out there again. There aren't many stuntmen that can that are recognizable, and you. I mean, and that's because you also acted in it. But but uh, it, you're definitely a recognizable guy. And and at 25 years later, you still you're doing something right. Maybe it's uh, it's your your multivitamin or something because you still look like you, uh, <laughs> the the you that we remember. Uh, wh where does Titanic fit in your life now? Is it something you come across on television and watch? Is if it, where and where where does it fit in here in 2023? It fits in as an achievement in my career. Um, I, I haven't seen it for a long time. Uh, my kids love the fact that I'm in it because everyone sure. sort of is on. They the next thing you know, all their mates are talking about it. Brilliant to be a part of it. Absolutely, it was fantastic. You know, so. I was, I was, I mean, if, you know, if they're, if they're proud of their dad and love to see it, how old are they? I mean, do they, is it part of their lives, Titanic? Well, but I don't you know what I've never asked them. One of them's 21, the other one's 14. So I don't think they're Titaniacs, but they might be undercover ones. I don't know. <laughs> I want to also point out that Derek is my personal hero because on what was actually my second short film, I chose this incredibly ambitious subject, which was a 1919 boxing match. It was about a young man who come back from the First World War and he was in a, in a sort of fight for his life. And um, <clears throat> I was a brand new director. I was sort of producing it as well. And um, Derek's name had come up with another actor. And, he, and I was like, Derek, I never met him on Titanic, but oh my gosh, give me his number because I needed these boxing sequences to be choreographed. And it was a very stressful week prior to that because there had been some issue with the set and with the producer I had been working with um, and I'd had to change horses sort of midstream. And I, it was the day of, and here comes this um, very sophisticated steady cam guy and, and the actors are there and we've got their little vintage, you know, boxing shorts and leather boxing gloves and I've got their coaches being played by a real retired champion boxer and and I'm like oh god oh god it's awful and then Derek walks in and your motorbike stuff like with your helmet under your under your arm like this hero's like it's all right we're gonna sort it out now and I was like, <laughs> oh everything's gonna be all right and then there was and then there was a moment when um it was getting towards the end of the day and First AD was like, right, Alexandra, do we have all these boxing sequences? I, I think we're done. We're done, aren't we? And I go, one, two, three, four. No, 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 we haven't done the bit, the victory bit where he does the thing and the what you would call it. And I go, Derek, we haven't. He goes, it's all right. They've learnt it. We learnt it off at the corner there. And once again, you save the day. Oh, and my gosh, do you remember that boy fell over backwards and knocked himself out? I do vaguely remember that. He fainted or something, didn't he? Well, he had to do this sort of primal silent scream and he was so... There's, there's, a, there's, a, there's a word for that when you do that. Um, it's called something. It's, it, it, it's like hyperventilating and you can sort of... And he, you see it, it's all in 
300 frames a second so his eyeballs roll back in his head you see like the breath go out of him and he just literally falls backwards onto the canvas and and, and you go running up to him start smacking his face just like a movie and you go it's all right he just passed out he just <laughs> he just knocked off the oxygen to his brain i've done that before come on come on and he got up and he finished the shot it, i mean it's listen I, what I'm trying to say, Derek, is it's the presence of an of a person like you who is so experienced and so calm. And, you know, this is how you do it. These are the steps you take it as, as a director and actors, too. It makes it just adds an incredible layer of of something to a movie that the audience will never know or experience and and i just wanted to say that to you and to the stunt community and to you know all the departments that make up a shot or a movie in its entirety and that's the thing that i'm constantly appreciative of as a direct a writer a director somebody who's trying to put something really wonderful together so i just i never really got to say to you because i always say oh, derek lee is my hero he did my boxing film and it was just and we've talked many times about maybe doing the feature version of it but that's down the road hopefully we won't all be you know in the retirement home by the time that happens <laughs> cheers i appreciate that yeah well but... see you you played a hero on screen and you were a hero in real life so uh hey. We're we're all we're all grateful for your work. That's a that's a good. As I'm looking at the clock here, and we have to wind down. Uh, I we, I would want to say that Derek Lee dot co.uk is a place where we can find you uh lee being spelled l-e-a and we'll also put a link to that here on the site as well uh and i i do encourage people to check out uh your incredible body of work uh, so much more than just titanic but for for our sake we're grateful that you uh you had such a heroic role in titanic and and participated today yes thank, thank you. you and the next time everyone watches titanic they must watch out for you and and read about that stoker because it's the most wonderful story thank you so much derek thank you no problem it's been a pleasure cheers if you've enjoyed this podcast please leave a review and if you'd like to hear more podcasts like this hit the subscribe button for information on where you can see ship of dreams titanic movie diaries go to shipofdreamsfilm.com titanic talk is a production of Ship of Dreams Film Limited.